This is Lindsay Garl. I race slingshots, and you're listening to the Four Wide Salute podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Salute podcast. I am your host, Casey, as always. Going to start off with unfortunate breaking news that broke to us early this past week. Legendary sports announcer Bob Jenkins passed away Monday at the age of 73 from brain cancer. He was one of the first on-air announcers for ESPN back in 1979. He called the first seven Brickyard 400 events along with other NASCAR and IndyCar events. He was also the announcer for the famous Thunder Series back in the day on ESPN that featured USAC, Sprints, Midgets, and Silver Crown. Yeah, unfortunately, I think everyone knew he was ill. Uh, his wife passed away from some uh, from a form of cancer as well. He beat cancer back in the day, and now unfortunately, it um, it took his life. But uh, I always enjoy Bob Jenkins. I I enjoy watching the the Thunder Series in ESPN and. When I look back at NASCAR in the 90s, if it was on ESPN, I expected to hear his voice. It's just one of them things. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate. And uh, I think everyone's grateful for what he was able to give us throughout his career. On to our results. So, Sunday kicked off Knoxville week. The Capitani Classic was Sunday night. David Gravel picked up the victory. USAC Silver Crown. USAC was still in town in my area here up at Sillins Grove Speedway for the Bill Holland Classic. Logan Seavey picked up his first USAC Silver Crown win. And USAC East Coast was along with them. Alex Bright was victorious. Unfortunately, uh, Briggs Danner was leading, took a nasty flip in turn three about midway through the feature. On to Monday, a non-sanctioned World of Outlaw event, but it's always been a part of Knoxville week at Oskaloosa Southern Iowa Speedway front row challenge 20,000 to win Kyle Larson shows up he won Sunday with the cup series at Watkins Glen comes into Southern Iowa Speedway picks up a $20,000 win over Blackjack Brian Brown Tuesday short track super series was up at Woodhall Raceway for the Hustlin the High Banks 55 Matt Shepard was victorious. That feature got so interesting. Late in that one, Shepard hugged to the bottom and stayed behind the lappers. Andy Bacchetti and Anthony Prego were coming up through. And at the line, Bacchetti was on Shepard's bumper. And they were pretty far back um, prior laps. So they, they did reel him in. Weren't able to get a pass or a side-by-side finish. But it got very interesting. Billy Van Pelt, another one, he you know, he owns Woodhall, basically, 22 or 23 championships there. At one point, he got put to the rear for contact on, I believe, David Schilling and came up through and was actually fourth. I'm not sure if that's exactly where he finished, but he did get all the way back up to fourth, and uh, it got it got very interesting. It did. Wednesday, night one for qualifying for the Knoxville Nationals, David Gravel was your winner. Action Track USA, Fair Nationals, unfortunately got rained out. 
They are running tonight, the Dick Tobias Classic 75 lapper for speedsters. From what I understand, they are also including the Fair Nationals 40 lapper for the micros. I could be wrong, but they, uh, the micros were on the card originally, so I don't know if they're going to do the extra distance laps or not. Thursday, Super Dirt Car Series, Battle of the Midway 100 slash Centennial 102. I think it ended up being the Centennial 102 at Orange County Fair Speedway. Stuart Friesen was a rocket. Stu won considerably over a second, but had a good showing. Um, glad to see Super Dirt was able to get another race in and beat the weather bug. Night two for qualifying at Knoxville Nationals went to Blackjack Brian Brown. This one was a late night. Uh, I turned it off at 1.30 in the morning, and they still had not. I think only five laps of the feature were in. on. They were under a red, and I said the hell with it. I couldn't stay up anymore. They didn't get started until quarter to 10 Eastern time for track packing and hot laps. So uh, they did have rain come through. They did have a nasty wreck with the feature with Parker Price Miller clipping Ian Madsen's wing in doing so. Um, then they had another wreck. Paul McMahon's car was on fire. Pink flames. The car was so hot. Um, and also, it took out quite a few other cars, unfortunately. But that's that. Kyle Larson did come from the B, started 21st, ended up second. So there was a run involved there. On to Lucas Oil Late Models. First night at Florence Speedway for a three-day show. This one was a Sunoco North south shootout and brandon overton was victorious on to our weekend knoxville nationals so friday night was the hard knox night they take all these guys who are going to be in the edcb um not exactly sure what the picking order is because there were some guys who were not there who were not locked into the show so i'm not exactly 100 certain on that uh but rico Abreu was victorious for Hard Knocks. The top four locked in. They would start the last four spots in the feature for last night's uh, event. On to Saturday. 60th annual Knox Energy Drink Knoxville Nationals presented by Casey General Stores. Folks, he did it. Kyle Larson was victorious. He has now won everything. Um, I don't know what else we can say about callers. He's just incredible. What we are watching, whether you like it or you don't, you dislike him or you don't, we're watching something that may never happen again. All he's been able to accomplish uh, just this year, in fact, uh, you know, Kings Royal, Knoxville Nationals, he won the Prairie Dirt Classic. <laughs> uh, so much is going on with him. And I'm glad to see what happened with him last year with being released by Ganassi, getting picked up by Hendrick, the success he's been able to have on the NASCAR circuit this year, and the dominance he had in 2020 on dirt because he was not racing NASCAR is now continuing. He races less, just wins more money. Um, and his win last night, $176,000, made it the highest paid race winner in history of any sprint car race ever. So do not be surprised if next year's Kings Royal gets bumped up to 200,000. 
I have a feeling Eldora is not going to take the 176 kindly. I think they're going to be paying more next year. I just think I have a hunch. On to USAC Silver Crown. So they had a Friday-Saturday show scheduled. The Hoosier Classic weekend at Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis. They moved it to one day due to forecast for Friday was not favorable. So your Silver Crown winner for the Hoosier Classic was Cody Swanson. He also picked up the win in the Champion Sprint Cars event there. And your Champion Midgets winner was Josh Wise. Lucas Oil Late Models. Friday, they ran the first of two nights for the 39th North-South 100 at Florence Speedway in Kentucky. After two rounds of heat races and after all the points were added up, your pole setter was determined to be Tim McCready, and your outside pole would go to Michael Chilton. They would be your front row for Saturday night's 100 lapper. That 100 lapper went to Brandon Overton. So, Brandon Overton is doing things in the late model world that Kyle Larson's been doing in the sprint car world. The only difference is Kyle hopped in a late model and took some of Brandon's money. So, there's that. Summer Nationals Hell Tour back on schedule Friday, Highland Speedway in Illinois. B Shep, Brandon Shepard picking up the victory there, and Mike Harrison in the Modifieds. It is noted that Nick Hoffman was not in attendance this weekend. Saturday, they went to Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 in Peavely, Missouri. Late model victory went to Bobby Pierce. Him and B-Shep flipped from one and two the night before. And modified victory went to Brandon Bollinger. Lucas Oil MLRA Series. Two-day show at Lake Ozark Speedway in Missouri for the battle at the beach. Friday night, unfortunately, succumbed to weather... Early in the day, they called it, said we're just going to run Saturday. Uh, it was not looking good in that area. Last night's feature, they did run, and that victory went to Peyton Looney. On to our local stuff. So, I was at the Diamond, of course, on Friday. Four tens on the card, along with six or two crates of the Roadrunners. I'll say this. We had 13 drivers confirmed that we were speaking to throughout the week. The forecast killed it. I, I'm 100% in belief in that. It just killed it. There was a nasty line of showers that were coming through Harrisburg, York, Lancaster, um, all through that area at about 4 to 4.30. And our pits open at 5. And a lot of these sprint car teams are coming from exactly where that band of red storms was. And those suckers looked ugly. And I'm in full belief that these sprint car teams that decided not to show up, which they have all the right in the world to do, and I have no ill say whatsoever towards those guys. You have to do what you have to do. Always believe in that. But I think they seen that line of storms and said, ain't no way they're going to race. And they, they rolled the dice thinking we were going to cancel. I thought we were going to cancel. When I saw the radar what was coming our way at 5 o'clock... I had that hard swallow in the back of your throat like we were screwed. And let me tell you, it dripped. Didn't even constant mist. It just dripped for about five to ten minutes. That's all we got the whole night. So in the end, we only had 13 sprint cars show up. Some of them were not confirmed. Your winner was not confirmed. Corey Haas did pick up the victory. 
Your second place finisher was not confirmed. Mark Smith. Uh, Chad Trout, also not confirmed. He showed up. And Chad had a really good run. And he clipped the uke tire on the inside of turn four on the exit. It busted the front end and sent him directly into the wall. Not head on. He had it pretty good. Flipped it. Stuck the landing on the front stretch all, you know, on all fours. He got out of the car. He was okay. Good to see. But I'm glad these guys showed up. I'm glad the race went well. Devin Borden set quick time. Uh, and it, it's looking to us, it's about four tenths faster in lap the best lap time of the night, whether it's hot laps, time trials, feature, whatever. They're looking at about four tenths quicker than URC's 360s. But I enjoyed it. I really did. I got to give a personal thanks to all the people that came to help, whether it was Landon helping us out with the cone in the infield or Keith and Michelle with URC in Port Royal coming up and just hanging out in the tower and just making sure everything went smoothly with our time trials and the invert. Um, you know, we want to get four tens back there again. Uh, I absolutely would love to have them back, but that's that Corey Haas was your winner on seven cylinders. He lost one. Uh, under the red with Chad Trout, which amazed me because he then pulled away. Your 602 crate victory went to Kevin Brady. Kevin is, of course, the oink car and handed out squeaky pigs in victory lane, which was pretty cool. Um, and your runner features, crazy eights, four features, eight laps apiece. Andrew Fayish, the third, got win number one. Don Murphy, the second one. Alex Schofstall, the third. And Andrew Fayish, the third, picked up win number two to cap off the night. This upcoming week, 10,000 to win modifieds, 50 laps, 50 laps. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see who shows up. It's an open draw. Anybody from uh, outside wants to come in and get a fair shake at a starting spot. Can't wait to see you guys. Williams Grove, of course, was off. They took off due to Knoxville running. Half Valley had ULMS late models there. Unfortunately, it got rained out right before the feature time. They are now moving that feature to the Labor Day Sunday. They're going to run uh, at Path, and they're going to run that feature, I believe, also with another show. Penn Can, Accord, Afton, Albany, Saratoga, and Outlaw, unfortunately, did get that rain that we missed. They all rained out. Ransomville, Dig Run, Ryan Susi victorious. Utica Rome also ran. Matt Shepard in victory lane once again at Utica Rome. And Billy Dunn was your winner at Can-Am. On to Saturday, Grandview Speedway, 10,000 to win, 50-lap show, Forrest Rogers Memorial. The only difference with their 10 grand 50 lap race from ours. Ours is going to be an open draw. Theirs was handicapped, which is cool because it, it protects all your guys who show up every week or most of the time and allows them to, to make the invert and again, get a fair shake at it. Craig Von Dorn was a rocket, just a missile. Um, once he got out in front, it was game over there. So Craig Von Dorn picked up his ninth Forrest Rogers Memorial victory last night. And Brian Hartler victorious in the sportsman division. Bridgeport, Alex Shankowski makes it two modified victories in a row at Bridgeport. He won with the Midgets. Now he won Saturday. Rocking the four-wide slew podcast sticker on that car. And Travis Hill got the victory with the 602 Creek division. New Egypt, David Van Horn. 
believe this might be win number one on the year for Dave. They got the win with the Modifieds. Justin Grasso again with the crates. He is on fire. And Rich Meller in the wingless division. US 13, Delaware International, unfortunately got rained out. They can't catch a break this year down there at all. They had URC on the card. I think they had to make the call early enough because URC guys were traveling from afar. That's my guess. Um, but hopefully they can get stuff back on the schedule. Lincoln did run. 4-10 victory to T. Ross, Tyler Ross. And Central PA Legends victory to Jeremy Ott. Clinton County ran 4-10 show again. Kind of a twofer there for the guys who wanted to come up with us and then go to Clinton County. Ryan Smith, Town kid, was victorious at Clinton County last night. Orange County, Tyler Boniface victorious in the small box. Fonda, Stuart Friesen back in victory lane there. Their points ended at Fonda with Ronnie Johnson and Rocky Warner at a dead tie. So I don't know if they're going to look at wins or better finish last night or how they're going to do it or if they're just going to have co-champs. I'm not sure uh, if anything, of course, gets updated on that front. I will have that for you guys next week because I'm a little curious myself. You know, I do points. What happens if our guys tie? What do we do, right? I know we only have one championship sign, so you cut it in half. I don't know. Thunder Mountain. Sean Walker picked up the victory in the Modified Division. 358 Dirt Modified Division win went to Matt Mead. Billy Van Pelt, victorious at Woodhall again. Fulton was off. They had monster trucks all weekend. Lebanon Valley, Kenny Tremont, the Lebanon Valley legend himself with the big block victory. Ryan Larkin in the small blocks. Justin Ayers, T-Bone, back in victory lane at Land of Legends. Barry White, good old Barry White. Danny Creedon's father-in-law, victorious at Five Mile Point. So great to see that. That's it. Those are your results. Your upcoming schedule is this. World of Outlaws Sprints, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. River City Speedway for Friday and Saturday. Sunday, they go back to Houston. So Friday is the Gordo presents the second leg of the Northern Tour. Saturday, Gordo presents the Duel in the Dakotas. And Sunday is the Pioneer Bin Buster Bash. Say that five times fast. All-Stars, Friday and Saturday. Friday, I-96 Speedway in Michigan. Saturday, at Plymouth Speedway in Indiana. USAC Silver Crown runs Saturday at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. USAC Sprints run Sunday at Paragon in Indiana. USAC Midgets run Wednesday, Thursday. I can't wait for this. I will be glued to my television. Wednesday, Thursday, the BC39, the dirt track at IMS. They have believe 77 guys locked in for this event and yes your who's who will be there um larson's confirmed i think bell might be wrong on bell i'm not 100 certain on that uh believe ryan newman i would assume stenhouse your nascar boys there and then of course all of your studs windham grant axum persley you name it they're gonna be there uh Kofoid, another one Lucas Oil Late Models is doing a combo weekend with the Comp Cams Super Dirt Series. Batesville Motor Speedway, one of my favorite events. And guys around here getting inspiration from this event. 
It is the 29th annual Comp Cams Topless 100 presented by Nutrient AG Solutions. That topless, roofless, however you want to call it, is a pretty cool show to see the tiny little cockpit that these guys sit in those big ass late models. World of Outlaw late models run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a Eastern swing. So Thursday they are up at Orange County. I hope they get a good car count. I really do. I would assume a few of our PA guys are going to go such as Satterley Eckert, big brother, um, Dan Stone. Some of those guys I would expect to travel up there. I don't know what they're going to get. You know, these touring series, it's tough for guys to tour full time because you're all over the place and it's a lot of money. It's a lot. So I hope they get at least 24 cars for a feature field. I really, I really hope so. Friday, they go to Williams Grove Speedway. Saturday, battle at the border at Sharon in Ohio. And then Sunday, up to Erie's Speedway. Peltor is coming to an end, folks. Yes, it is hellacious. It's not called Heltor for no reason. It is coming to an end this week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is your finale. They are up in Michigan for four days. They're going to be at Butler Motor Speedway on Wednesday. Thursday, I-96 Speedway. Friday, Tri-City Motor Speedway. Saturday, Merritt Speedway. That is it. Those are your upcoming events. Those were your results. Alex Jankowski is such a cool kid. I got to know Alex personally. As you'll hear in the conversation, we um, we have Big Diamond. We're approached by Pino, uh, Pocono the other year to do a cross promotion. They were offering it to all the local dirt tracks and asphalt tracks, from what I understand. And they were having us come up as visitors and set up in their midway fan zone area they had where all the merch trailers were and we set up a canopy we had coal cracker flyers out and we brought up alex who had just won the sportsman title the year before at diamond with his car and they steve uh, alex's dad brought the car up they unloaded it alex and tyler pete were hanging out with me and my wife all day those guys were signing autographs, taking a lot of pictures of, with folks, and it was cool to set up. And then we gave Alex a lift home after his dad came to get the car, because we then stuck around to watch the race. Um, and then it, Pocono came and brought their pace car for uh, our Cole Cracker event, which is pretty cool. But um, no, I got to know Alex personally. He's a good kid, really, really good kid, smart. Um, and you'll, you know, we get into some of that in our conversation. So I hope you guys really enjoy that. As always, if you have any content suggestions, I know a lot of people uh, I come across listen to the show, and I highly appreciate that. If you guys have anything, just send it my way. Shoot me a message. Uh, you can do that through Twitter now as well uh, on the Four Wise Salute podcast page. As always, please like and share the podcast, whether it be the post that I put out personally or the page puts out personally or my wife shares. Just get it out there. Get the content visible. Um, I appreciate all you guys. You guys know that. And uh, smash that like button. And five-star ratings on all podcast platforms are highly, highly appreciated. If any of you guys want a sticker, uh, more more cars are getting them nowadays. Whether it's a 410, it's going to have one on the wing or your modifieds next to your car number or 
floor below the window or like Alex put his on the inside, but when it goes on the front stretch, you can see it clear as day. So if anyone wants a sticker, make sure you stop and see me. I usually carry them on me. Uh, so I'd be glad to, to share that with you guys. But uh, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. As always, until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown & Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey, has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud Dirt Track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown & Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports Dirt Track Racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 Modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses at Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. You can reach Bill Brown & Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. This week's episode of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast, I have with me one of the, I would say, hottest young drivers in the Northeast, if not the entire country. The winner of last year's Danny Serrano 100 Leopard at Bridgeport Motorsports Park, Kid Rocket himself, Alex Jankowski. What's going on tonight, Alex? How are you doing? Oh, staying busy on the shop, just trying to get ready for the weekend here. Yeah, and from what I understand from your old man, you're in the shop uh, quite often, and if not, you're uh, doing your homework and research uh, almost every day. Yeah, um, you know, it's hard hard with the whole racing, and racing's kind of like a job, right, in a way, you know, time-wise. Um, takes up a lot of time, that's for sure, uh, and you, and you got to focus a lot on it, and the same thing with school. Um, you know, my parents don't really give me a hard time about school. Um, as long as my grades are good, um, I take all the AP classes, uh, and I'm always on the high honor roll. So, um, that keeps them happy and it also keeps me happy. <laughs> so I don't have to really get bothered uh, by much. So, uh, just trying to keep everybody happy, you know, and, uh, school is very important, obviously. Um, and not just school taking up a lot of time, you know, the racing also, it's just a, it's just a balance, you know, it's definitely a hard balance. So before we dig into the whole racing side of things, you know, when I was in high school, all the kids that took AP classes and were on higher honor roll, or I think all of them went to college right after high school. Yeah. What's your plan for after you graduate high school? Uh, I plan on going for four years. Um, not sure exactly yet. Um, I have a good idea what I want to do. Uh, mechanical engineering is definitely uh, a really, really good option. Um, and I, I'm really interested in the, the engineering side. Um, when you're in the racing world, that's, that's a big deal, you know, engineering, that's, mm -hmm. it's a lot, a lot of, th it's a big, um, thing that always advances and you got to keep up. Um, you look at Matt Shepard, mm -hmm. uh, I forget where he went, but I know he's a mechanical engineer, um, degree. So yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's definitely going to be hard, right. To, mm -hmm. to race and go to college for four years. Um, but it's just something for, for me to get, you know, uh, and have and always lean back on just in case anything crazy happens. Yeah. And I believe Freddie Raymer also is in the same boat as you. Uh, I believe he went for mechanical engineering. And from what I had heard, uh, all he did with his time was either work on the car or go to school. Have you talked yeah. to, have you talked to Matt about, you know, the, the I haven't, 
you should, and I would suggest maybe doing that. Uh, yeah. You know, the more I yeah, talk to Matt, the more I talk to Matt, the more laid back he is and sociable in those kind of regards. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind offering a fellow racer help outside of the racetrack. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're definitely right. So, you know, with your AP courses and what you're able to bring in knowledge wise with school, what have you been able to translate into the racing world? Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a bunch of little things. Um, you know, when you look at school and, and all the different classes, you know, you with English, right? So English class, hate it, right? Definitely not my thing. <laughs> um, but you know, when, when you talk in public, uh, when you have to write something, that's, that's very important to be, to be correct. And I speak, um, you know, just, uh, a lot of racing. Yeah. You gotta be good on the racetrack. Um, but also off the tracks, a, a big, big deal. Um, and the better you are off the track, it, it helps you on the track, you know, um, and personality and whatnot. But, you know, when you, when you think of mathematics uh, and engineering, um, you know, when you almost take the basics, uh, a geometry and then some of it, I already knew just because of the race cars. Um, so there, there's definitely been a bunch of little things, um, science and, and the way air works and, you know, everybody knows, right. Everybody uses a, a dry air system for, for the air in their tires. Mm-hmm. Um, if not nitrogen um but then you actually learned why why they do that and the science behind it molecules now self-expand you know when it heats them up it gets softer well, why does it get softer um you know when it comes to metals and stuff like that you, you learn like the mol- molecule side of things um which it's actually cool to know you know when you go to do it you actually know what's going on um so there's just a bunch of odds and ends um nothing really big um but there's actually been a couple of things that i played around with that you can ask a science teacher and they'll kind of uh, give you a bunch of facts and some of it all makes sense in your head. Do you, do you tend to, you know, especially with science class, I remember when I, when I had physics, I was awful at it. I did not pass the class. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but you know, the teacher would bring up these scenarios of, you know, if two trains are coming at each other and one's going this speed and so forth. And I would look at him like he had three heads, but then I would come <laughs> in with the question, Hey, I just watched Sunday night baseball last night. Pitcher threw the ball at 90 miles an hour. The guy hit it 400 feet. How fast was the ball going off the bat? And he goes, well, why don't you tell me how that is? Do you, do you tend to bring in racing scenarios in, to your, to your teachers? Um, not exactly, but I could all, I could, I could use racing in a way to make it easier in my mind. All right. So I definitely know more about racing than I know about half of what they're teaching in the book. Um, <laughs> but if you take what they're teaching in the book and, and their questions and you put it into racing terms, it makes it a little bit more easier for, for me to understand uh, and to figure out. Um, so no, that's, that's definitely a good thing to do though. You know, like what you did, mm-hmm. um, probably lets the teacher do their job a little bit better, you know, uh, to explain it to you better. So not in a way I have, um, but it's definitely a good thing to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, however, you know, I like to use analogies a lot, right? So like with my wife, I'll give her analogies about softball all the time because <laughs> it'll help her understand what I'm trying to get at. But uh, <laughs> enough about the school side of things. So my first question to you is, you know, we originally had uh, tried to do this interview on Monday. That didn't pan out. And I had thought you were racing in that Kutztown tonight. And you said, <laughs> no, you weren't. So I didn't know what the deal was with that last night. I think everyone's seen that let's here put up your speedster for sale. So are you no longer running a speedster? Um, 
that's a good question. Um, <laughs> as of right now, I don't, I don't have any definite plans. Okay. Um, you know, Paul and Tier, it's very important, important when I talk about this, that Paul and Tier has been a huge part of my career. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for when I've been young, I've always kind of worked with them in one way or another. Um, and, you know, we grew a very, very, very close relationship. Um, I'm sure we're always going to stay involved some some way or another. Um, you know, Paul, Tia, um, they're a great family. And his dad, you can't forget about his dad, Paul, Tia, Sr. No, he's been um, almost, in a way, I looked up to him. You know, it's a legendary um, family. Oh, exactly. You know, and, and you know, related to the Tobiases and, you know, there's a lot of history there. Um, but before I even when, so when people think about, you know, me not leaving or leaving speech racing, I should say, um, you know, there was a couple things that went on, um, that just kind of, I wasn't a big fan of. I'm definitely not on Paul's side, uh, to be clear. You know, there's, um, a couple disagreements with the track. Um, mm-hmm. But it's hard, you know. There's a, it's a small little boring, right? I mean, stuff's just gonna happen. Yep. Um, you know, and I think that that frustrated me in a way as stuff went on, like racing wise. Um, but you know, I think Doug, Doug and Rich do a great job with the with the place. You know, I think that's for sure. Um, it was more so I can concentrate on the modified mm-hmm. more. Um, not that I'm against running other things, but um, there was just a couple of things that went on, you know, and I decided that. I didn't really want to want to do it all the time anymore. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen in the future, uh, but whatever happens, uh, speed racing or not, um, I think it's very important for me to keep Paul Latier, uh, uh close and is a good partner. You know, he's he's been a great guy and he's helped. He's taught me a lot. You know, he's he was a guy that really taught me a lot about off the track. You know, not to do anything stupid or keep yourself presentable. You know, he's done a he's been a huge part of my career, and I want to make sure that that everybody knows that. Um, it has nothing to do with him. You know, he's done a great job. He, he always brought a really fast car to the track and, uh, made my job a lot easier. Yeah. And I'm sure if you asked Timmy Buckwaller, he would, uh, be in a hundred percent agreement with the Latier relationship and what they've been able to help him and yourself along the way. Um, but you know, is it, is it just me or does it seem like there's a little too much racing nowadays? You're definitely right. You can't do it all. Um, that is a lot. You know, there's, there, there's, yeah, you oh, can definitely. almost race every day of the week if you really want yeah. to. And yep, exactly at right. some point, and I've seen it with a couple of guys this year, not mentioning any names, where I started to get the feeling that they were getting burnt out. And I hadn't seen yeah, that no, before. Yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, there's a lot of racing. And there's a lot of racing that, that pays good. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Now that you could race, like you say, almost every day of the week, and not only could you race almost every day of the week, you could race every almost every day of the week for good money, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you race all the time, right, when you're at the racetrack, you're not in the shop, right? So um, you can't let racing a lot hurt your preparation. Um, you know, quality over quantity. You know, that's a very important thing to remember. Yeah. Um, and me being a younger guy, you know, I always want to race, 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 right? But, um, you know, with the help of Kevin Bates and my dad and, and Paul Latier, you know, they taught me you can't just race all the time. You know, you got to got to keep that balance and make sure the quality of your stuff's still good. Yeah. And one thing you had mentioned, too, about Latier, uh, you know, he's taught you things off the track, you know, how to compose yourself, how to behave, you know, how to talk to your your fellow racers and, and your fans and whatnot. With the 
generation of drivers that seems to be getting younger and younger. You know, as you know, we now have a 10 year old in our great class at Diamond. Um, Do you think it's something that, you know, because if you look back at racing 30, 40, 50 years ago, right, it was a bunch of dirty, gritty guys, (laughs) right? And that was the aspect of it. But now it's been getting so much publicity. Um, You know, even the NASCAR side of things, the the guys today are not the same guys that were there 40 years ago. In no Mm -hmm. way comparison as far as their, the way they behave, their composure, their appearance at all is starting to get a little commercial. Um, Yeah. But do you think nowadays with the way the youth is getting now that there should be some kind of outlet for them to get the training or be able to be taught, you know, how to behave yourself, you know, in front of a camera or in front of a, a, a camera, a video camera, um, you know, since they're now getting this spotlight put on them at a younger Such age, a young age. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, I think where I had it good. Um, and I got lucky as being around Paul Latier. Uh, Kevin Bates. Um, you know, I I was around guys with a lot of experience, and then those guys introduce you to other guys. You know, the older guys, like the so-called legends. Mm-hmm. You know, the Pouch Seniors and the the Billy Deckers and Brad Hunter. You can go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. You know, those those names that have been around forever, uh, and that you looked up growing up, looked up to growing up. And I think when when you have somebody like I had the right people, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's got me this far anyway so far um th- when you meet them those guys they they don't say it straight out to you but they kind of teach you how to how to just stay calm don't do anything stupid <laughs> stuff's just gonna happen um but there was a couple incidents and in, when i was really young seven eight years old um i acted like an idiot and you know paul paul kind of taught me just how to relax and you can't do anything stupid um and you know there was an incident that happened one night and i swear after that uh you know paul paul kind of talked to me like how to you just got to stay calm you know like you can't do anything stupid well after that night i swear and i always i say it all the time like that night kind of changed me in a way when everything something had whenever something bad happens um that night was a perfect example on how to how not to do it, <laughs> right. you know, and I do the opposite now and, and it seems to work a lot better. Um, yeah, I still get mad. I might do a couple of stupid things here and there. Um, but that's, that's part of racing, you know, there's so much passion, but no, to, to answer your question, um, I think the biggest thing is to be around the older generations, um, to kind of see how they do it, you know? And I, and I think when you think of kids, you know, being a little bit more, uh, more outspoken, um, it's just kind of nature, right? It's natural. It's not just humans. It's just the way nature works. Um, but also how they learn, how the young learn is, is by the older people, you right. know? Um, so no, you're definitely right. I think it's, it's hard, you know, when, I don't know, I started racing, I think I won my first modified race when I was like 14, mm-hmm. 14, maybe 15. I don't remember. Um, but I mean, you're getting younger and younger and younger and you look at Tanner Bondelon. Um, you know, now the, the kid racing the crate at Big Diamond, um, you know, there's a lot of people watching me at such a young age. So I don't know what the best way to really go about it is. Like, I don't really think there's going to be much of like a program. I think it's more of them just being smart enough to watch. 
Well, you know? and, and you would know, um, you know, like you said, you got your first modified one at the age of 14. Did you feel like there was a big microscope on you? Like everyone's now watching it because you were able to do that at such a young age? Um, you know, I think it puts puts a little bit more of a spotlight on you. Um, but I think it's important not to feel pressure. You know, I think there's been a lot of instances in the past 10 years where a kid comes in, they start running really good, and they almost let the spotlight change them in a way that they really hurt their career big time. Um, well, you know, I, a, I've seen ones that don't even race anymore because of that. Yeah, and, and I think it's important. Yeah, and I think it's important to not let it get to you, not let it change you. Uh, you know, I, I think the publicity side—it's great. You know, it's very important. You need the publicity to see your name out there, and you know, yada yada yada. But um, it's important for it to to not change you. Yeah, you know, and you're definitely right. There's been there's been a few times in the past ten years that I mean, there's probably five guys you can think of. Um, that that did change them, you know, and you just don't want to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I was around the bowling world for quite some time, and I saw a lot of high school bowlers that were really, really good, and their yeah. parents, oh, just consumed it, and they yeah. lived vicariously through their kids, and yeah. those kids stopped bowling because yeah. the parents ruined it. Yes, and, absolutely. And your regard, and I, I always like to bust your old, your old man's ass because I feel <laughs> like I don't see him at the track nearly as much as I used to. Um, but he doesn't seem very overwhelming. Like he doesn't really ride on your coattail, if you would say it that way. Is, no, is he, no, you're definitely right. So he's real relaxed with you and lets you do your thing, lets the guys in the shop do their thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, me and Kevin Bates came out on the modified side of things. Um, I believe it was 2018 was our, we only ran one sportsman year and 2018 was it. Um, yep. and you know, that's what I like my world, my racing world, my name almost kind of, it's not, I wouldn't say established, but like, that's when my name was first brought up. You know, because nobody really knew who I was, and there's still a lot of people that don't know who I am. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I had no um, clue who we were at 2018 when you shut up Diamond. Yeah, I mean, nobody sudden, really knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, and, and you know, we had Matt Stengel running this sportsman the year before, and Stengel was yep. the guy to beat. And yep. then you show up, and I'm like, I have no idea who this kid is. And yeah, I think you were able to accomplish more than Stengel was the year before, and was like, okay who is this person? Because holy shit, you know, and then of course, now we know, we know today, but yeah, you're, you're, um, your dad really hasn't been overbearing, overwhelming at no, all. I can not. see. No, no, he's done. Um, you know, he's been a great father to me. Um, you know, me and my brother and my sister are very, very lucky to have, have the dad we have, you know, he does a lot for us, maybe sometimes more than he should. Um, you know, he always, and, the racetrack aside, he's always made sure we were set up um, or we're smart enough for the future in our life, you know, uh, not just financially, but logistically and education and, and whatnot. You know, there's so many things you go about, but no, he's been a great father. Um, you know, me and my siblings are definitely lucky to have him. Um, but yeah, no, on the racing side of things, though, um, he just kind of, he lets me kind of do what I think, you know, he'll, he'll tell me what he thinks, you know, his advice. And, but he just tells me, do what you think. And see what happens you know so no he's he's been a great great father uh on and off the racetrack um and and i think that you're right with the whole bowling thing i think there's a lot of dads that 
I still see, you know, do the same thing as, as what you described, you know, kids in high school mm-hmm. uh, doing really good. And then their parents kind of, I don't uh, force and maybe, maybe forcing it down their throat and it kind of turns them away. Um, but no, I'm, I'm very lucky. I have the father that I have, you know, I can still keep everything enjoyable. Right. And that's the key, you know, especially at your age where you really are still impressionable where, you know, maybe you dictate where you race on a weekly basis and stuff like that. But to have the support, but not be pressured is the key. Oh, absolutely. No, you're definitely right. And, you know, you, you talk about, uh, uh, Matt Stangle and I know Grasso was before they were, yep. I mean, I have a lot of respect for both of them. I mean, they're, uh, we're still all young, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you look at like, I wonder what the average age is for like modified racer. I'd love to know. That's That'd an be interesting to figure one. out. Because you still, but, you you know, still they're still of, young. You still have a lot of tenured guys out there. Look at how I wonder how old Pouch. Pouch, I want to think He's, is pushing sixty. I mean, and last year he took a bridge for it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's still got it. I know. Um, I mean, I mean, I know you have guys like Red Farmer down in Talladega who were in their nineties racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. But you know, I have a lot of respect for like you know Matt Sangle, uh, Brandon Grasso, and you see Justin Grasso dude, He's doing some pretty cool things uh, at New Egypt. He's kicking everybody's around there. But yeah, yeah, he is. Um, um, so like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. But like, you know, it's but interesting like, with the whole age thing. But like your dad, so you know, everyone knows you won the hundred lapper last year. <laughs> I of course remember what happened on lap one hundred and one. <laughs> yep, I think everybody will for for a long time. I made the front page area auto thanks to you. Yeah, up in the stand. That's right. Yeah, the man miller That's shirt right. or sweatshirt. Yeah, because Cody finally made the front page that day. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. um, I was down there at the gate when you were down in the car right next to your dad. And I'll, I'll never forget yeah. this. This is classic because I said, well, I said he, he did it, you know, hundred laps and you beat the best of the best. Cause there were a bunch of out of towners there. He yeah. goes, yep. $10,000 check, $40,000 bill. <laughs> and so we all thought the car was junk. <laughs> oh, I bet. We all thought it. And it, it didn't end up, we ran it. Um, almost all this year, but he um, wasn't pissed at all. Like he wasn't, the slightest stuff like that just happens you know and that's that's just part of racing whether it was smart dumb different right you're right but that to me defined how he is with you like again not overbearing isn't flipping out on you like it's what it is and that that was cool to see because he could have been livid that would have been some other guys i know like (laughs) oh my god um you know i can't imagine if one of Norm's guys would have did that to his car. He'd be losing his mind. <laughs> but no, it was... Yeah, uh, Norm bust me, bust me about that one a couple of times. Oh, of course. But yeah, the way you dad handled it was pretty... Um, it was comical, but it was cool to yeah. see that he wasn't losing his shit. So, yeah, um, so everybody thinks we junked that car. So when you look at financially, um, it got in front of the shock towers on the frame, and I split a... I split split a front axle beam so i got fourteen hundred dollars in lap money and, and it cost me like fifteen hundred dollars to fix the car that's not so, bad so no the ten thousand dollars was still intact um 
everybody thinks it was junk. Um, it was mostly body panels, but I ended up selling the body panels the next day uh, <laughs> in front of the gate when everybody walked in. And it, I needed to put a new body on it after anyways before I even flipped So for the next year. So, no, it worked out pretty good. Um, That's you know, funny. A little bit more publicity, maybe some bad publicity, but um, – What's the saying? No publicity is bad publicity. Something hey, like that. Hey, you got to do it with yeah. style, right? So yeah, so yeah, I no, something different. You know, everyone never could go on a race and put in Victory Lane. But actually, when I went Thursday, it was the first ever time I drove up on the Victory Lane at Bridgeport. Never got to do that. <laughs> That's right. You were towed up there. <laughs> yeah. So I know I talked to you about that day and and what transpired those last two laps. Um. But for the record, do you want to go through how you ended up upside down, upside down <laughs> on the front stretch? So, yeah. Um, uh, I remember getting two to go. I remember white flag. And I came around a second time and I saw, saw a white flag. I'm like, well, it's 10 grand. I can't really stop. So I see a checkered, right? Mm-hmm. So I come around and what ended up happening was I was so far up in, in the lap traffic because it was such a long green, green flag run. Um, was that they threw the checkered like last second. Um, but I was already like underneath the flag stand. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see it. And then I just, oh, I got to keep going. Right. <laughs> and a lap car spun out coming out of turn four. And then everybody started scrambling. And I got hooked in the right rear and got shot up into the fence. And that was that. So as a, you know, and this is a good dynamic to talk about because from your perspective is way different than mine on a Friday. Right. Mm-hmm. So as you know, I don't tell you guys when we're halfway, five to go, white flag. Which is, which is a good thing. I hate when people do that. You don't. It's horrible. Well, and I was, <laughs> you know, I've been told a couple of different things from different drivers who want to hear certain things. And one you know. thing I'll always remember is, is Cooler telling me, look, if I hear you say anything, I automatically think, think you're saying hello. Yep. Uh, that Hunter, he's 150% right. And there's people that started talking on the radio in the middle of a race. And you just want to rip the earbuds out because it drives you nuts. <laughs> right. And I've also heard of guys that do that. Um, yep. but been there, done that. Do you, now I'm going to ask you, I don't know that I've asked anyone else this, depending on what track you're at, obviously the scoreboard or the lap counter is more visible than others. Yeah. Do you have the habit of checking that? It depends. Like, so diamond, you really can't. I mean, maybe coming out of turn four. Okay. I've done a couple times. Um, but like Bridgeport, uh, you'd think you wouldn't be able to see Bridgeport. But actually, I could when you're coming off of turn four, getting out of the straightaway. It's right in the infield there. So I just kind of take a peek over and see what lap is. Or, you know, the, the, so the perfect example of your question is the, the Deo race um, at Bridgeport. I went green to checkered 50 laps. And, I had no idea where I was at. I could have been a 15th. I could have been third. I, I wouldn't know the difference, to be honest with you. I mean, everybody was so strung out, and I didn't know who was a lap car, who was on the lead lap. You know, when I was passing Laubach, I didn't I didn't know if he was – like, I, I had no idea, you know? Um, so I remember looking down, and I saw oh, one. One was leading. I'm like, who's one? I was like, oh, okay, that's Laubach. And the second was nine, and the third was the 44. Right. Um, but, or no, oh, was, Watt, Watt was somewhere in that mix. Yeah. But anywho, I'm like, man, I'm in fifth right now. I didn't know I was doing that good. You know, like I had no idea where I was at, but I'm counting. You know, I know I kind of know who I'm racing, but when they're so far out front and people are fading, you have no idea who's who, where's where. Like, you just got no idea. That's right. the worst part about a green and checkered race lap traffic is you don't know what's going on. So, but 
to keep it simple, just pass the car and go. Right, know? right. So do you think – So, it, and this is interesting to look at it too. I know Eastern States and Super Dirt Week, they allow two ways and you have a yep. spotter. Um, yep. Do you think that would throw you more off because now you do have someone in your ear telling you things? Um, not really. Just because, you know, uh, my crew chief, Kevin Bates, um, he's got a lot of experience in the radio. So actually, if we could use two ways, I think would be, I think I'd probably be a little bit, I mean, I say that. I think you'd see certain guys get better and certain guys get worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I almost wish we could use two ways just because I'm lucky to have a good crew chief that has a lot of experience on the radio. And, um, you know, after the race, you could be a Monday Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, I should have done this, this, or that, where, you know, we had two ways, maybe you would have done it, you know. Uh, but no, I mean, I don't really think it throw you off. I think it'd be interesting if, if you guys did use two ways and then we oh, have, I'd love it. And then we have, <laughs> like, NASCAR does their Facebook video of yep. the communications thing and just yep. to hear some of the dumb shit that you guys would say back and forth. But, yeah, um, I'm sure some of us are in trouble. On the <laughs> other side of things, though, Poor, like, you know, Scotty Albert would have to listen to Jeanette on the end car. And, and I just, <laughs> I think he might retire at that point. You never know. She might get him up on the wheel. You know what I mean? <laughs> might be a good spotter. Oh, man. You yeah. never know. I'm sure some, some people surprise you. Well, it's like at Oswego. Uh, I know it has happened. I don't know if it happens on a yearly basis, but you know who Stewie's spotter is, right? There are, I know there's a couple different guys. What do you got? Strunky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Strunk, strunk. Strunk's gone up and, and spotted for Stu already. And I know that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it. I guess it all depends on the driver themselves and how they would adapt to it and whatnot. But it'd be an interesting thing, especially for a 25 lap feature. It'd be really different. Yeah. No, I, I wish I wish there was some some radio races, actually. Um, you know, the, the pit stop thing gets a little hard because then you got to put together um, enough good guys. Oh, um, I, I can't imagine that because you guys. Well, for one, not everyone has a team that big. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I know Watt's got a big crew. I know Gouler's got a half decent sized crew, but yeah. not everybody's got four, five, six guys that can come out and do all this all at once and know what they're doing on top of it. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, you know, I think. You know, Friesen, Friesen's got some good guys for the for the radio races, um, and he really excels at them. Oh um, yeah! But he's also he's very he's very smart in um, the long races. You know, he's, he he kind of knows better, uh, you know, tire wise, and you know he has a lot of experience, and he's just flat out one of the best best there is right now. Um, you know, so and I think he saw really the same thing with Brett Hearn. Yeah, um, yeah, he was one of the obviously one of the best, but you know the radio races he was obviously. Um, able to put together enough good guys that could really excel him. Yeah, um, I, um, to be one of the best radio. I think there's a difference in your Saturday night racers and your radio racers. I think. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I, you're still gonna have your good guys are still gonna run good. Um, but I think they'll be a little bit better if they got the right guys. Well, I think there's a huge difference too in your long distance racers and your short distance racers. Absolutely. I mean, yep. you, and you, you know right. it. There's certain guys who you know are going to be stomp and steer the whole way around for 25, 35 laps. Yep. Aren't going to lift and take no prisoners kind of, kind of mentality. But you yep. also know that when you go up to a hundred lap or a 200 lap, or you know that there's guys that are going to hang back, save their shit 
and yep. be there. And you're gonna have guys that are gonna fade, right? You know. And I think honestly, Absolutely. it's just my opinion, and I, I have heard it from others as well. I think that's where people were very surprised with you, um, where you know the hundred lap were last year at Bridgeport. We all know you won. I. Yep. But for anyone that watches you on a Friday night or even a Saturday night at this point, you're very hammered down. You don't back off. You're all over it. And then to go run a hundred lapper and we're not talking where caution laps count and you were there at the end pulling away. Mm -hmm. How have you as a young driver adapted from running your, you know, your weekly 25, 30 lap features and then a hundred lapper comes up and you figured out how to conserve your, your stuff and be there at the end. Luck. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think to having Kevin Bates kind of telling me, you know, not just the told thing to get it told to you. There's another thing to feel it and know better in the moment. Um, you know, but he's been a big part of, of, of that aspect of long races. You know, the cars always go to the end. Um, and I don't really think there's a straight answer to that question. Um, I think you're right. You know, I, I, for whatever reason, I do seem to run decent on the 100 lappers. Uh, you look at the Port Royal 200, you know, I, I was, yeah, I want to say lucky, but I, I, or I should say lucky, but I want to say unlucky that I drew the pole because I would rather do 12 or redrew 12. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we started out that race strong and then the halfway break came. And we didn't really go anywhere until lap like 150, like from 150 or from 100 to 150, we were horrible. But then from 150 to 200, we got really good. Yeah. Um. You know, and ever since that race, I really, I realized I really like these long races. And that race was before the Serrano race, right? The 100 lap. Yeah. So to be honest with you, I think if there were some more long, long distance races, I, I think I might be able to run a little better. Um, but no, I don't think there's a straight out answer. I think it's a, just a matter of knowing better to not go use all, all your stuff up early and try and be a ball of fire when you know, everybody's going to fade. Um, that, that goes up front and takes away, you know, can't see him, <laughs> but right. before you know it, they got, they got the anchor out and, um, they're backtracking. So I don't, I don't really know, you know, it just kind of seems to, I don't know if coming to ad school is the right thing to say, but, um, I do seem to run decent in, in the long distance races. Yeah. I mean, and that was another race where people were talking about you. I mean, obviously we know Williamson won, you know, Stu mm -hmm. was doing really well with the 360 motor. Um, yep. You know, Shepard was up there and Bacchetti was up there. But again, everyone was talking about, holy shit, look at Yankowski finished the top 10. Oh my God. Um, you know, and you mentioned Kevin Bates quite a few times now and i have to be honest i'm not familiar with kevin um i don't know that i would know him if he walked past me where does kevin come from before your career you know what is what has he done in the racing world before he's been working with you um he raced for a long time um we live in like the same area uh, around about um he was the he was the guy to kind of 2017 i ran like five or six great races and he came and helped me and you know he kind of taught me the ways of racing modifieds and um we went we won our fourth ever crate race at, at pen can you know and you know everything's great you're you're happy um but then we went in the next year well 
we didn't really have any cars or any shop or anything. And he was kind of the way him and him and my dad um, kind of laid everything out and how we're going to do it and where we're going to race and yada, yada, yada. But he, he's been a huge part of my career. Um, you know, especially with the, I mean, he's really a genius with the modifieds um, for sure. And not just modifieds. He, he's just very smart. You know, he's intelligent with a lot of things. So, um, you know, having him was definitely a huge, 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 huge part of my career this early. Um, and I think we have a really long career ahead of us working together. Um, but yeah, he raced for a while. Um, and then he went right when he stopped racing, he started helping me. So, you know, I'm definitely lucky, lucky to have him as a crew chief and as a friend, you know, we have a close relationship. So that's been a, and because we are so close, I think that's what makes it work so good too. You know? Yeah. That that's, you gotta have that connection. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, the NASCAR guys are always swapping crew chiefs and car chiefs and this and that. Yeah, and that's just horrible. I <laughs> you know, and I don't think it really has a whole lot to do with their ability to do their job. I think it's a matter of chemistry, is what it all comes yep. down to. You, yeah, you just, no, I was lucky. I was able to find somebody so early in my career um, that I seemed to deal with. You know. Yeah. So let's dive into to your upbringing for a little bit here. You know, I did not know until after getting to talk to you and your and your dad for quite some time that you were really good at go karts. And I didn't yeah, know I think that I was you all had, over the place. <laughs> I had no idea. I honestly, I don't even remember you running slingshots to be uh, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, what were some of the things you were able to accomplish with the go karts? I know you won down in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um we did a lot of traveling, um and I think the actually me and Jeff Trunk Jeff Trunk used to race uh, like road courses like I did, um so yeah I started when I was four did. years old. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started when I was four years old and like a kid card at Snydersville and that's that Oakland Valley, you know that that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then I ran slingshots for a while, and then in the off season when I was running slingshots, I go to florida uh i went all over florida um raced at almost every road course track they have there uh went to new orleans louisiana uh that was a blast went to that you ever see that gopro motorplex uh in Morgan, yes. north carolina yes I, I raced there a bunch of times that place is pretty cool um but yeah no i raced against a, a lot of a lot of international kids um and i think that that was definitely a big part of what made me uh as a driver um you know, I learned a lot of good things, met a lot of cool people. Um, some of them still come to the dirt track to watch, um, which is super cool. But, yeah, no, I, I ran a lot of that. Um, and it really opens your eyes into the different types of racing, you know. Um, going from the dirt track to a, a road course is two different things, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to learn how to make a turn either direction for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who were some of the cool people you got to interact with, you know, while doing that? Oh, there, there was a bunch. I don't think I can name them all. Uh, you know, I raced a lot with Juan Pablo Montoya's kid, Sebastian. You know, he's definitely a wheel, uh, just like his father is. Uh, Rubens Barrichello's kids. Um, Emerson Fittipaldi's kid, kids, grandkids. Um, you know, I got to race with them. There's there's a bunch of big names, you know, a bunch of IndyCar guys that, um, you know, I got to race around a little bit. Um, there's so many names that go on and on. You know, I, I had Mike Doty help me at the end. He goes to orange county all the time uh then i got tigger i call him tony the tiger he's up by uh, utica rome um you know that we started working together there at the end we started getting real good um but you know there's a the, the rafas they're down by like grandview way 
Um, but you know, there's a bunch of names I go on and on about. Oh um, wow! That really made it fun. You know, never mind the performance. You know, whenever you start having fun, seems to start doing better. You know. Oh, of course. If you're enjoying what you're doing, it's a completely different story. Absolutely. Hey, next time you see Doug Manmiller, you'll have to ask him about the time he beat Jerry Nadeau. Oh, do, yeah? Do you remember Jerry Nadeau? I heard the name. So he used to, he ran Cup late 90s. He uh, had a ride with Hendrick for a little bit. And then he was yeah. the first driver for the Dan Marino <laughs> team that came up through. That ran for maybe a couple of years. He actually was just on Dale Jr.'s download podcast uh, this week. So, yeah, you'll have, to, to watch you'll have to ask Doug next time you see him about him beating Jerry Nadeau. And he has a giant. What are you doing in a, in a go-kart? In a go-kart. Where was that? At? I forget what track it was. I want to say it was in New York somewhere. I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but yeah, he'll tell you. He, he loves telling the story about beating Jerry Nate too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so now, as as it's very fascinating to know, you know what you were able to accomplish before you even got into a modified, and now what you've been able to accomplish since you got into a modified. So at your age, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'll tell any kid that because you dictate your own your own destiny. What direction or do you want to go in with your racing career? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so, let, know, I always, so before you answer that, I know you had told me you were running the, the USAC 360 car. I believe you even ran the 410 at one point, but you said it just wasn't for you. Well, I think there was a lot of variables. <clears throat> um I think if I ever went that direction again and have to travel, um, you know, I'm from Northeast PA and New York, I mean, closer to New York than um, a lot of the other states. But, um, you know, if I were to do that again, I think I'd have to travel. You know, we're, the area I'm from and we're from, really, mm-hmm. wingless and that <clears throat> that USAC East Coast deal, you know, has been a huge supporter of the, the wingless sprinkler thing. But, um, you kind of got to travel to go to good, big races with the wingless stuff. No, oh, it's Indiana. Um, you see, That's you see Briggs Danner. Yeah, exactly. You see Briggs Danner traveling a lot now um, in the Gallagher car, the 5G car. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of got to travel. And it was just tough because you can only do so much racing with it, right? Yeah. Around here. So, like, that that was the hardest part, I think, you know. And I was fortunate that Paul was here. Um, helped me with that. And I learned a lot from it. Um I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't shoot it down if it ever came about. Um, but I think you got to travel a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I think, and no offense to any one of those guys locally that runs Eastern Storm when they come into town. No offense whatsoever to any of those guys, even the ones I know very well, Dravicki, Timmy, all those guys. Yeah. But if you're not running that car as often as the big boys are, they're going to kick the snot out of you. Now, the Keystone Invasion that we had in April and we had three of the local guys set quick time was awesome Mm -hmm. to see. It was great. You know, Timmy, Briggs, and I want to say it was Dravicki at BAPS. Yeah, they were all quick time and it was awesome to see. But in the end, those guys are just going to kick the snot out because they run the thing all the damn time. Yeah. We don't have that opportunity here because we just don't have enough wingless 410s. Yeah. Um, 
But I think that's a I think that's what it comes down to in any car, to be honest. If you don't have no, the seat exactly. time and you can't kick the bugs out of it, you don't know what you're getting yourself into whenever you do try and run it for six straight days. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um and that was kind of where I was at, you know. It's like, well, you can only race so much with it, you know, and that's kind of hard, you know. And, and honestly, like to see what Briggs and Timmy and Trevecki, how they do against these guys that come in, you know, it's actually really impressive mm-hmm. because they can only race the English stuff so much. So you know, when they go around good, that's you know, other guys or I don't know if I, I guess what I'm trying to say is other fans might not realize how. How good they're really doing um but you know timmy timmy and, and briggs and trevicky they're they're good you know i have a lot of respect for them so for when they come in and run against run against the best um you know it's definitely very impressive yeah so if you don't want to go the the wingless route necessarily you know i do you want to run a modified for the next 50 years of your life i don't really know um, Which is a fair answer. You're only 17. It's a fair answer. Yeah. Don't think that um, you need to tell me your future because you may not know yet. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm at. I just don't know. Um, I mean, do you have NASCAR aspirations? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one thing I really like is the the late models. Oh, 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 now you're. I love late models. You're putting a smile on my face, dude. I'm a huge super late model guy. I love my super so late so am I. Yeah, those are, uh, and you know what? Their races pay a shit ton of money all the time. <laughs> yep. The competition's so hard, too. Oh, dude. It's crazy. You I go down to talk south, about engineering. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. You go down to like Georgia, you know, and, south, and Tennessee or out to Illinois, and you're just running into balls to the wall competition. No, you're definitely right. You know, I, and that's all right. Well, where are we from? You know, we're from the Northeast where it's modifieds and, and, and wing sprint cars. So, um, you know, to live where I'm at, that's your two options, you know, as far as I'm concerned when it comes to a lot of racing. I mean, it's you have Rick Eckert, you know, who is arguably one of the best to come from PA, and he'll go out to Wisconsin and Illinois and he'll run a two week leg of the outlaws tour because that's where it's at and not nothing against, you know, the ULMS series we have here or the weekly division at port that runs, they get a stellar amount of cars, but there's the name power and the star power of it just ain't here. No, you're definitely right. Um, and that's when it all comes down to, all right, you can only race so much with them, you know, for, for, yeah. So, yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, I agree with you 150%. So, yeah, that, that would be an interesting route to see you go. Have you had, a, have you had a chance to sit in one yet? I've not. Um, you know, one thing I actually started thinking about, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I was like, you know, it's so hard. Like, I started thinking about, like, the 53,001 shows and, you know, you wish there was more of them in these long distance races <laughs> and late models kind of popped in my head. You know, there's a bunch of, them. um, you know, you see what Tim McCready, you know, he's from New York. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he decided to go the late model route and then you see 
start getting in them a little bit. And then you see, you used, uh, what's it, what's my call? Gypsum. You know, they had some late models there. Oh yeah. Um, for well, a- uh, so did, well, that's how the whole T-Mac thing, I believe with the, you know, Vic coffee had one. Um, and yeah, I, yep. And I know sweeteners that, and then gypsum. Yeah. Had Cause you model. had Decker and Fuller were in one. So yeah, there was a lot of crossover there for quite a bit there. Like I want to say like 10 years ago or so there was a lot of crossover, but um, yeah, you, we got to get you hooked up with Poncho Lawler. I mean, Poncho's getting up there in age and uh, like he had Bobby Pierce in his car last year at Port Royal. Um, I think I've seen him. He's a I guy, he's a guy to get a hold of that would probably give you a chance to hop in his car once to see how you feel. He's probably the guy. Yeah, I'd love to try one. Yeah. Well, I plan on going to port in uh, two weeks, I think it is, off the swing by Poncho's trailer. Uh, Lucas Oil Late Models, the uh, Rumble by the River. Oh, really? That's that. What day of the week is that? It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal. So I'll be there Thursday and probably Saturday. The Saturday portion last year is the race that Larson got his first late model win. I remember that, that was actually there. his debut. That, was a good race. that that three day stretch was his debut in that car. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Rained out. We had a rain delay on Thursday. Rained out Friday, and then I couldn't make it Saturday, and that's the day they actually ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, as we wrap this up, you know, again, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to shoot the shit with me. Um. You know, who do you have to thank? What what sponsors are, uh, you know, riding along with you on a weekly basis? Oh, there's there's so many people and sponsors to thank. Um, you know, I got to thank my guys. You know, you got Batesy, you got Brucey and, and P and Dennis, you know. Um, they obviously go to a lot of races. Um, then we, we, we got a lot of good product sponsors. Uh, Swift Springs, Bilstein, Shocks, uh, Bay Headers, you know, Barron's uh, Performance Warehouse is a, a big part of our team, you know, we order almost every part from there. Um, you know, the bagel rack volunteer there, he's been a, a huge part. Um, I'm sure there's so many Davis powder coat and you can go on and on for a while. Uh, you know, I'm just lucky to have the, the good guys I got. And don't forget guys, when you see Alex's car on the front stretch, look on the inside, right behind his seat, you'll see a little round white <laughs> thing sticks out like a sore thumb. That would be your four wide salute podcast. Four wide salute. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you're the first modified to park at victory lane with my sticker on the car. Don't ever forget that. Wait a minute. That first night, I had, what was that? The day or race? Uh, no, it was the, the, with the no, well, wasn't it? No, I don't think oh, you had it on that. Really? Well, even if you did, you were still the first one to park it in Victory Lane with my yeah. sticker on. Who else has got it? Uh, a bunch of guys. The 126 has it. Cooler has it now because I slapped it on after he won at Grandview last week. <laughs> uh, Stangle's got it on there. Creighton, I think, does as well. I'm trying to think. I know the Watts, well, Watts have them too, but I don't think they put them on yet. So. I'm happy that uh, I'm happy I was the first one then for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I do have a connection. You know, we got to take you up, put your car on display at Pocono the other year, which was such a such a coolest. 
two years. It was 19. Was it 19? Yeah. That was pretty cool experience. Um, Pocono does that nice deal where they'll have the dirt tracks come in and advertise and promote their stuff. And part of that grassroots crossover thing, which is such a cool thing. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. And uh, it was pretty cool to have your car on display and everyone going by. Yeah. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something different. No cup car, that's for sure. Yep. Yep. But uh, no, it was a great conversation. Good talking to you. And we're, uh, Modifieds are off this Friday. So yep. you go kick ass at Utica Rome. You and Gular yep, are going to go up and represent. Is Goulart? I didn't know Gular. I think, I think he is. So you nice. guys go up and represent Big Diamond well. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. We'll see you in a week and a half when you guys come back for the prelude for 10 grand to win. Sounds good. All right, Sounds man. like a plan, Stan. All right, man. I'll catch up with you later. Thank you for having then. me. Absolutely. Yep, appreciate it.